Well, a question I have for you this morning as we begin our new series is, have you ever used something for a purpose it was not intended for? Most of us can probably say yes. Uh, If I walked into any of your homes, my guess is we all have something that we use for like a really weird purpose. Uh, We have that thing that we use not even remotely close to what it was made for, but it, it performs a really good function. We've repurposed it. Uh, I remember that growing up, uh, my parents, I remember when they bought this pool table. And it wasn't just like your average run-of-the-mill pool table. It was like mahogany wood and like a burgundy felt on the pool table and leather pockets and all of this fun stuff. Because, you know, it's what every poor family living in about a thousand square foot house with five kids needs is a pool table taking up like a third of that space. Um, It was a great idea for my parents, you know, five boys who are nothing but destructive um, to, and for them to impress upon us the importance of never nicking or or creating any damage on that pool table, meanwhile surrounded by a house that was falling apart because we knew nothing but destruction. Uh, That pool table, I can't ever remember it being played on. It became the folding table for our laundry and where the laundry sat 99.9% of the time. Uh, I don't think I ever remember seeing the cover off of the pool table and laundry not sitting on top of it. Uh, some of us probably have exercise equipment in our house that's used for constant exercise, right? Or more often than not, it's a clothing rack or an extra shelf that we use in the house. Uh, There's actually a few really well-known inventions, if you don't know this, which were actually created for entirely different purposes than what they're used for today, uh, widely and commonly used for today. They were repurposed when people discovered there was actually a better purpose for it. One of those, uh, this one I did not know, Listerine. Do you know what Listerine was initially? Anybody? It was a floor cleaner and an ant or a surgical antiseptic. Anybody want Listerine in their open wound? Yeah, me either. I can't even take it in my mouth. No, thank you. Uh, so next time you're swishing with Listerine, just remember that was a floor cleaner. Uh, the Slinky. I don't know if you knew this. It was never actually a toy. It was not designed as a toy. Anybody know what it was for? I didn't know. I didn't know. Like I knew one or two of these. It was originally invented to stabilize nautical devices on rough seas until it fell down a flight of stairs and someone watched it do its slinky thing and thought, kids would love this, and it became a toy. And now it's not used on nautical devices at all that I know of. Uh, It's just a toy. Play-Doh. Anybody know what Play-Doh was initially used for? I thought I heard it. Y'all are quiet. Yes, it was, it was initially created to clean wallpaper. That's what it was for. Back when uh, wallpaper wasn't the nice wallpaper that we have today, uh, if there is such a thing as nice wallpaper, uh, it, it would, you'd get soot and things from your uh, stoves and whatnot, and it would be used to clean all that, all that off. Also, cigarette smoke off of the walls and tobacco and things like that. Bubble wrap. Anybody know what bubble wrap was initially invented for? Speaking of wallpaper, it was initially a textured wallpaper. Exactly. I laughed a lot when I first saw that because I thought, how long would that last? I mean, you got a good like a week of that textured wallpaper before I popped every bubble on that. And I can just think, you know, speaking of having five kids, uh, 
growing up, uh, my first thought would be, I need to throw my brother at that wall and see how many we can pop at once. So obviously it failed miserably as textured wallpaper, but now we use it to wrap just about everything. Most of you probably know this one, Coca-Cola. Uh, it was initially used uh, for medicinal purposes uh, to cure morphine addiction by putting cocaine in it because that helped. It took one addiction and gave you another one. one. The other one I didn't know about was 7-Up. How many of you know what was in 7-Up? It used to be used to cure bipolar disorder because there was lithium in 7-Up. Yeah. Coca-Cola in one hand, lithium in the other. I guess you're good to go back in the day. Uh, not a good idea. Now they're just commonly uh, used to poison you with other things, uh, like way too much sugar. The Frisbee. Any of you know what the Frisbee company initially did? I didn't know this one. This one was fascinating because I love Frisbee. This was not a toy company. They were a pie company. And the tins that their pies came in uh, I think it was Yale or Harvard or something. They started th tossing them around, and now we have what we call the Frisbee. So there's a number of inventions. This is just a small list. Uh, I was looking at a huge lists this week of just different things that were repurposed uh, away from their original purpose. And, and all of those things no longer have that same initial purpose. They've all been repurposed and given totally different meanings and what they are. Really, their purpose was discovered accidentally. Uh, but there's a number of inventions that their entire, the entire idea for the invention was discovered accidentally. The microwave. I don't know if you know this, but it was not, no one sought out to find a way to cook food using microwaves. What happened was a guy named Percy LeBaron Spencer was working on magnetrons when he noticed that a chocolate bar in his pocket had melted. And so he started down this road of discovery, figuring out how could I use this to actually heat food, and now we have the microwave. Most, I would imagine, at least some of you know, penicillin was not discovered on purpose. That was an accidental discovery by Dr. Alexander Fleming. He left out some cultures, and he found out that their growth was prevented by a mold called penicillium notatum. I don't know. I'm just making that up. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Uh, probably some other language. I don't speak in tongues. So um, that's penicillin discovered completely by accident. And there's actually another, I found this fascinating, just a list of things that were discovered completely by accident. Chocolate chip cookies, x-ray machines, super glue, potato chips, chewing gum, all of those were discovered by accident. An accidental thing happened and someone thought, hey, I can market this. And they began to run with that. So these were all stumbled upon accidentally, not intentionally. That's what I want to point out this morning. Each of those things, whether it was repurposed or was not even a thought in someone's mind, their purposes were stumbled upon accidentally, not intentionally. None of the creators of these things can claim that their inventions were precisely made to solve specific problems. Their use and therefore their value happened by accident, completely by happenstance. On the flip side, there are many inventions which were made with precision for very specific purposes and to solve very specific 
problems. If you're somebody in the medical field or the scientific field, you could probably list item after item after item that has like one solitary purpose, and outside of that, it's completely useless. It has no value, no use whatsoever, other than the use it was actually created for. But when it's used for its intended purpose, their use and value are exceptional. Now, there's probably something each of us, like I said, if I walked into your homes, each of us probably has that one toy or, or tool, not toy, uh, maybe a toy, I don't know, that one tool or that one thing in our house that you just couldn't live without, that you're, you love this thing and you recommend it to other people and you tell everybody else, you have to have this. If you do this in your home, then you have to have this thing. And, or if you do this, this home repair, this is what, you need this tool. You have to have this thing because it's of so much value. And, and it has value because it has a use, right? Um, each of us, uh, every couple, um, married couple here, uh, most of you have. One of you is the hoarder, and the other one is the tosser. You love to throw things out. Uh, I'm the tosser. I often throw things out and have no idea where they are and go looking for them, and my wife reminds me I either gave it away or threw it away. Uh, and why do we do that? Why would we get rid of something? Why does it no longer have value to us? Because it doesn't have a use. We don't have a use for it, so it therefore has no value. Of the topics we've discussed this morning, which do you personally more closely identify with? Does your use and value come accidentally? Have you just stumbled upon it? Or are you still waiting to stumble upon your use and value? Or do you resonate with the idea that you were created with precision and have exceptional use and value within your intended purpose? Now, it's easy to identify these things when we're talking about frisbees or play-doh or bubble wrap it can get a lot more personal when we think about ourselves we think about what is my use and value to this world to god to society which of those ideas do you resonate most most with when you think about yourself do you think of yourself as somebody who was created with precision and intentionality and that if you engage in the purpose with which you were created for, you have tremendous value and use. This is the question I'd like us to answer today as we begin our new series. Do you believe that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, or is your purpose accidental? Have you discovered it accidentally, or are you hoping to one day discover your purpose accidentally? And the question that we'll seek to answer for the remainder of this series in the coming weeks is how much of our life will be lived on purpose and how much will be accidental? If I were to ask you just real quick, go through your week and think about how much of what I did this week was on purpose. Did I purposely set out to do the things that I did? And how much was accidental? How much did I respond to things that happened? How much did I just react this week? And how much was proactive? Because as we'll discuss in this series, we were created on purpose and for a purpose. I believe that with all of my being, and I believe the Bible backs that up many, many, many different ways that we were created on purpose 
and for a purpose. And it seems like, I'm sure you read this before I got up here this morning, you saw the splash screen that said on purpose, that we were made on purpose and for a purpose. And I don't think anybody here would disagree with that uh, intellectually, but I would argue there's probably not many people who really believe this in their heart of hearts. That when they look at themselves in the mirror, they look and they're able to say, yeah, you were made on purpose and for a purpose. Certainly not a lot of Christians live as if they were made on purpose and for a purpose. When we ask ourselves, do I believe that I was created on purpose and for a purpose, or is my purpose accidental? There's a verse that answers this pretty well, very easily. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Again, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, so if you want to follow along in your own translation, that's the one I'll be using, or you can just follow along on the screen. Colossians 1, 16 says, For through Him God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth, He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Is there anybody here who wasn't created by God? That would be a bold statement. I created myself. No, you didn't. Yeah, we're all created by God. Any, everything, it says, and that includes you, was created through Him and for Him, Him being God. It's another way of saying that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. I promise you that God of all creation, the God who spoke everything into existence, doesn't accidentally do stuff. He doesn't make mistakes like we do. I don't know if you've ever made a mistake that was like a happy mistake, like something happened uh, that you didn't intend for and actually turned out to be a good thing. Uh, I don't know how many of you would agree with this, but I think I'm a happy accident. Uh, I was not intended to be in this uh, earth, uh, but here I am. Uh, I was an accident. I think it was a happy accident. Some of you might not agree. We've been created by God, and we've been created for God. Let that sink in this morning and through this whole series that you were created by Him and for Him. First, I want to look this morning at the on purpose part. We were made on purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We are masterpieces of the greatest artist to ever exist. Not accidental masterpieces. Again, it's not as if, oops, that happened, and oh, that's actually a good accident. That's not the way God operates. But each of us was created with precision and intention. The God who sees tomorrow better than we see yesterday created everything with intention and with purpose. I want you to, a little activity this morning, look at somebody near you and tell them you are God's masterpiece. Now, in your mind's eye, picture yourself and tell yourself you 
are God's masterpiece. Now, why is it easier to look at somebody else in this room who you might not even know and say, you are God's masterpiece? And you actually believe it. It's easier to believe it when you say it to somebody else. Why is that? Why is it much harder to go home, look in the mirror, look yourself in the eyes and say, you are God's masterpiece and believe it to your very core? Because that's what I'm going to give you as homework is to go home every morning this week, maybe multiple times throughout the day, to look yourself in the face and say, you, out loud, like a nut job, you are God's masterpiece. It's Scripture. It is truth from the mouth of God. So it's not vain to do this. You are God's masterpiece. Why is it so much harder to do that? than to look at your spouse, to look at a friend, to look at someone else and say, you're God's masterpiece. I believe it's one of the greatest lies of the enemy that he portrays upon us, that we are our mistakes. That when we think about why we're not God's masterpiece, what comes to mind? Our mistakes. The flaws that we have. The flaws in us. See, the enemy convinces us that our mistakes define us, our value, and diminish our purpose. We might even have an idea of what our purpose is, why we were created on purpose and for a purpose. But when we think about that, the enemy reminds us, yeah, but don't forget, you're really messed up. So you can't actually accomplish that purpose. You might have been created for that purpose, but you'll never achieve it because you're a mess up, because you're broken, because you keep having that sin problem. Yet God says in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Every Christian should be able to look themselves in the eyes and tell themselves they are God's masterpiece. And to believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because it's about Him, not us. When you look yourself in the face and you tell yourself you are God's masterpiece, it's not reminding you of how great you are. It's reminding you of how great He is. It's acknowledging that the God of creation doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make errors. He certainly doesn't make garbage. He makes masterpieces. Everything he touches is beautiful and wonderful because he's God. And if he created something, you can be sure anybody would consider it a masterpiece. We, we think about this in, in context of, think about any artist, famous artist in history. I don't know of anything that Van Gogh ever created that we would say is garbage. If he doodled on a napkin, it'd go for thousands of dollars, even if it looked like something I would draw. Why? Because the drawing itself is awesome? No. Honestly, in my opinion, all art is that way. It's all garbage. 
It, the only value in it is the value we give it by acknowledging the creator of that art. It actually has no intrinsic value. It's a picture on paper or painting or whatever it is. It might be beautiful, but only because we can see it. It has no value to a blind person. They can't see it. They can't appreciate that. We give it value. And then if we value it enough, we begin to value the author of it. And then anything, if we value it that much, anything that author does, we begin to say, oh, it's marvelous. It's magnificent. Even if, you know, I created it, you'd say, well, you need some work on that. That looks terrible. I mean, I've been in some museums. I've seen some art. If I drew that, I guarantee you people would make fun of me. But it's because Van Gogh or whoever else, Michelangelo created it, that it's wonderful, it's beautiful. That same principle is true for God. Anything He creates, we can acknowledge it's beautiful, it's wonderful. If you ever want to know just how wonderful it is, do a study on the human body, the intricacies of the human body. You might not think the outside shell looks great, but discover the, the amount of detail that has gone into every single human body. It's a masterpiece. It's wonderful. That's what the Scripture is talking about. How marvelous it is. And the, the author of this psalm had no idea, no inkling of how much we know now of the intricacies of the human body. And yet even back then they were able to acknowledge, man, the fact that God created us, it's, a, it's amazing. He's a marvelous artist. We were made on purpose and for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. I just want to pause there because the word Gentiles sometimes, uh, I think we gloss over it, we forget what that means. It basically means anybody who wasn't Jewish. There's, this was a big deal. Anybody who wasn't Jewish, Gentiles. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people, Jewish people. You are members of God's family. Together we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So what does it mean that Christ is the cornerstone? Do you understand the terminology of cornerstone, what, what that meant for them? When they would build a building, the main block that was laid was the cornerstone. Every other stone laid after it was based on that cornerstone. It determined square on the building. It determined where every other block went based on the cornerstone because they didn't have levels like we have. They didn't have all these fancy equipment. They had the cornerstone. Everything else was based off of that. So that's what Christ is. He's the, the cornerstone, and it's saying that everything else, all of us, are carefully joined together and becoming this holy temple with Christ as the cornerstone. We are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple. And each stone is being placed with care and precision based on that cornerstone. My question for some of us this morning is how arrogant are we to believe that God made a mistake when He placed us where He has and when He's given us the purpose that He's given us. How arrogant we must be to acknowledge the purpose God created us for and say, ah, I don't know, I'm not going to be able to do that. Because it's a direct criticism of God's ability to place us. 
This verse is telling us that we are stones being placed precisely in this holy temple he's building. And so the the place that he has put us and the purpose, because every stone has a purpose in a building. It's holding up another stone or it's resting on another one or it's supporting something else. That purpose he has given us wasn't given by accident. And we cannot be arrogant enough to think, uh, to tell God, ah, you know what? I don't think you did such a good job there, God. Uh, you know that purpose? I know that you created me for this, and I know I'm feeling like this is the next thing I should do in my life uh, based on what you're calling me to do, but I think you made a mistake. I think you need to rethink what you're doing here. Honestly, if Jesus was standing in front of us, probably none of us would ever say that to his face, to tell him that he's made a mistake as the greatest artist, the greatest builder to ever exist. We would acknowledge there must be something wrong in me if I'm not able to see just how perfect this purpose, just how perfect the place he has put me is for the purpose he's given me. So whenever God calls you to something, acknowledge you may not understand why, but he is that magnificent builder that has placed you exactly where he has and for the purpose for which he's set you. Just as a good builder carefully chooses his building material and the next stone to lay, we have been carefully chosen. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. One of the purposes that we have is to show others the goodness of God. We, were, we weren't created on purpose to live accidentally. That's not a, that doesn't fit with Scripture. We were created on purpose for a purpose. None of us, nobody that has ever lived has ever existed without a purpose. They might not know what their purpose was. They might not acknowledge their purpose But every single person that has ever lived has existed for a purpose. Many Christians try to determine their own purpose based on what they want. Instead of looking to the builder to say, what is my purpose? We try to define it ourselves. Proverbs 19.21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. His purposes are always greater than ours. Attempting to repurpose ourselves is a pretty foolish idea. I don't know if you've ever uh, looked up one of those like life hack articles and they have like, oh, you can use this thing to do this thing and you can use, you know, an empty water bottle to do this and, and that thing. Some of them are pretty cool, but often I look at these and say, that looks like way more work and effort than that's, that thing is even worse. That's not a hack. That's a ridiculous use of that piece of garbage or whatever they're trying to use it for. They're trying to repurpose something that has a purpose already and doesn't fit that purpose that they're trying to repurpose it to. That's how many of us are living our lives. We wonder, why am I so miserable? Why why does my life seem so difficult? Why do I keep running into walls everywhere I go? Maybe because you're trying to repurpose something that already has a purpose. And that's why you keep running into walls and, and, and struggling and wrestling and crying over your purpose because you're trying to run from the purpose you have. Jonah knew a little something about that as he tried to repurpose himself and get on a boat and go the other way from where God had him for, but 
Where did he end up? The same place God had. Why? Because the Lord's purpose will prevail. And so if you keep ending up in a place or a situation or around a certain person and you don't want to be there, maybe it's time to acknowledge maybe God's purposes are winning out over yours. And there's a purpose there that God's trying to speak into your life. God's purposes will always be better than ours because He knows why we were created, because He's the one that created us. And He even gave each and every one of us a calling. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Notice that verse. It doesn't say to live a life worthy of your calling if you've been called. And if I were to sit with each of you individually and say, have you been called by God? Having not looked at this verse first, some of you might say, I'm not really sure. Or I don't really know what God's call is for me. That's probably something we want to figure out. If you don't know what God's call is on your life, I don't know a much more important thing than to figure out is what is God's call? You've been called because you are alive, and if you're a believer, then you definitely have a calling on your life. And this, Paul is begging you, I'm begging you, he says, to lead a life worthy of your calling. That's pretty hard to do if you don't know what your calling is. The purpose for which we were created is one of precision and intentionality. As we discussed in our last series, we each have, I believe, a general calling and a very personal and and individual calling on our lives, my encouragement is don't settle for accidental purpose. The old saying that, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? It no longer actually has a purpose because it doesn't tell time anymore, but it accidentally stumbles upon purpose twice a day. Some of us, that's kind of our goal. Well, I'm just trying to love Jesus and accidentally stumble upon purpose as I go. And the enemy might even convince you, that's good enough. I mean, that's, that's enough. You, you're loving Jesus, and you, you might not know what your call is, you might not know what your purpose is, but, you know, just do good stuff. And what a cop-out. And if the enemy can't get you any other way, then he, he will try to get you to settle for good when God has designed you for great. And so many people I know have settled that way. Then they would argue, I'm not doing anything wrong. I I live a good life. I love Jesus. I go to church. I do all these things. They they acknowledge all the good that they do. But at the end of the day, it's how have you lived out the calling? Paul begs us to lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have. How have we done that? Now, we know of one conversation we have before the throne of God, but imagine if that's not a comprehensive list, if it's not just whether or not well done, good and faithful servant or depart from me, but what if there's a conversation there that God says, how did you, how did you live out the calling that I had on your life? And I hope that we have a passionate answer for that, that your face would light up at that question as you begin to expound how you lived out that calling that God had on your life, how you passionately and with fervor went after that calling that God had on your life because you refused to settle for accidental purpose. 
And you didn't rest until you had a clear understanding of what that calling was and you went after that. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. So are you accomplishing the purpose that you were created for or are you being repurposed? Either by yourself or by the enemy. Is he repurposing you for evil, for good instead of great? Are you repurposing your gifts for things that you want? I know there was a season in my life when I moved back from Texas and I was living in Pennsylvania. Uh, actually, I'm in Pennsylvania now. I forget that sometimes. Uh, I'm back in Pennsylvania. I was living in Altoona and I was found out for the first time in my life, I'm really good at sales jobs because I like to talk to people and I'm an honest person and I like to find out answers. And so when people asked answers, I'd find them out and I'd call them back and I'd tell them all the answers I found out about the product they were asking about. And I just found out I'm really good at it. And I began to repurpose myself. I stopped kind of the pursuit of ministry for myself and said, man, I can make a lot of money here. Very quickly, I was the top salesman and I started making a lot of money and I spent a lot of time at work. I basically had two full-time jobs and I had a, a brand new Mustang and I had a truck and I was, I was like, this is everything I ever wanted in my life because I grew up poor with a pool table and my life is great now and everything was wonderful. And then, man, can I tell you, the conviction of God hit me so hard when one day I was spending time with the Lord, and it was just like, is this really what you were created for? And that was a tough season for me. So I had to give up some dreams. I was making a lot of money, and I was having a really good time from a worldly perspective, but I was hollow. I had no purpose. I knew I was repurposing myself, but I just, like, ignored that so that I could have fun and I could get the nice things that I always wanted as a kid. Are you being repurposed? How much of your life is being lived purposely? How much of this week will be proactive where you prayerfully consider what you're gonna do and then you go out and you do it because God's called you to do it? Whether it's a job, whether it's being a parent, whether it's doing laundry, those things can be done on purpose, for a purpose for the kingdom and how much of your life will be lived accidentally this week how much would just be reactive these are the questions that we're going to seek to answer in this series but this week i want to encourage you to work on looking at yourself in the mirror and believing that you were created on purpose as a masterpiece I mean, look at every flaw in your physique and remind yourself, you're a masterpiece. You might not be the weight you want to be. Your hair color might be changing to a color you don't necessarily prefer. Roots might be coming back in. That zit might not be your favorite thing on your face. But that doesn't mean you're not a masterpiece. Saw an illustration once of a guy who took like a $100 bill and he crumpled it up and he spit on it and he stomped on it. And he asked everybody, what's the value of this? Still $100. doesn't matter how ugly it is. doesn't matter how much dirt's on it. doesn't matter how banged up it got. Its value didn't change. And the same is true of us. Man, we, we might have been through the ringer. And we may be responsible for some of that. Our physical condition may be because of some of our poor choices. But it in no way changes our value. It in no way changes our purpose. 
because that has more to do with us than it has to do with Him. And our purpose has a lot more to do with Him than it has to do with us because He's the artist. He's the creator. And we are simply His masterpiece. Because when you can believe the God of all creation has intentionally and purposely created you on purpose, then you'll find it of utmost importance to discover the for a purpose part. You'll want to know, okay, if I was made on purpose, then what is my purpose? And you'll begin to search that out. You are not your mistakes. Some of you need to hear that this morning. That thing that popped into your mind when I said you're not your mistakes, you're not your mistakes. Your mistakes do not define you or your value and in no way diminish your purpose. The enemy will do everything he can to convince you that because you messed up this way, it has changed your purpose. Really? God wasn't able to see that far in the future? He accidentally gave you a purpose? I don't think so. His purpose for you has remained the same because he saw the mistakes you would make and he still gave you that purpose because those are all determined by the one who created you, not by you, not the enemy who is trying to repurpose you because you are God's masterpiece, beautifully and wonderfully made in his image. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that my value, my worth, my purpose is not based on me because, man, I'd have messed it up so long ago. By no means am I worthy to stand up here on a Sunday morning based on my qualifications, based on my abilities, my talents, my skills. It's because you've called me to do this. That's the only reason I can be up here. And it's the only reason each and every one of us can achieve our purpose is because it comes from you. And it's not even in our own strength that we're supposed to accomplish it. You've sent the Holy Spirit. You've given each and every one of us a purpose with, with which we cannot achieve but for the Holy Spirit within each and every one of us. So Lord, I pray this week as we wrestle with this idea that we were made on purpose. Lord, I pray there would be some walls, some strongholds that you tear down this week as we're forced to look in the mirror to look ourselves in the face and remind ourselves that we are your masterpiece, which I hope gets our eyes off of ourself, off of our mistakes, off of our failures, and back onto you. We are a masterpiece, not because of us, but because of you. And Lord, I pray that you would break down the walls that are keeping us from experiencing that, from keeping us from understanding that, keeping us from accepting that truth. <coughs> Lord, I pray this week each and every one of us would acknowledge we were made on purpose and for a purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Have a great week. And remember, you were made on purpose.